Tonight's Bible reading comes from Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 24. This is great for the kids' church leaders. We're doing this lesson in a few weeks, so good preparation, everyone. All right. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, um, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for, for me that whenever I speak words... Whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. To Caiaphas, the dear brother and fearful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know that I am and what I am doing. Oh, no, how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with undying love. Amen. Thank you, Liana, for bringing that for us. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here again and to be sharing God's Word with you. Um, this is our final uh, message on um, the Ephesians series. So um, as we've moved through this book, we've heard Paul talk about the incredible privilege we experience as a result of the new life that we actually have in Christ. And his call has been for us to acknowledge and appreciate the sacrifice that has been made by Christ and to then live a life that reflects a life that is worthy of the call that Jesus has upon us. A life that shows that we've moved from darkness to light and are now living a life so counter to the lives that we used to have that those around us will actually notice and pay attention. Our lives should be lives that reflect a desire to be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ, lives that reflect a sacrificial love, something that costs us, and a self-giving attitude in servitude to everyone. 
But to do this, uh, it has to be a choice. And sometimes that choice is moment by moment. Because that darkness that we were once a part of is continuously around us. Those temptations continue to come. And we once gave in to them, but now we have to stand against them. And so it takes a determined effort to oppose those things that once drew us so easily. And so we need to make that decision to stand for what is right, what is true, and for that which represents and honours and glorifies God. That's what we've talked about in previous weeks. And so we come to this last section of Ephesians. And Paul is telling his readers to be prepared. And what we're facing is like a battle. And in order to live the way that Jesus would have us to live, there are constant choices and challenges throughout our lives. And the life we are called to, it doesn't just happen. All along the way, there'll be trials, there'll be temptations, and there will be opposition. So before we get into it, let's just pray. Father God, we desperately need you for what we've already just talked about, Lord, but also to hear you tonight. And so, Lord, we ask for your presence now. We ask for you to come. You don't need an invitation, but we're inviting you because we want you. We want to hear from you, Lord. Reveal the truth of your word to us, I pray. Humble us. Call us to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think the first thing that Paul actually says to us in this passage of Scripture that we had read out is that we need to prepare for battle. And I'm not sure if how we live in Australia here has an impact upon our attitude when it comes to battle and war and things like that. And when we read messages in Scripture that refer to war and battle as well, about knowing our enemies and things like that. Because here in Australia, we don't actually see much conflict, do we? And I think for many of us, when we travel overseas, certainly when I went to Israel, how battle-ready those people were, were astounding. Everywhere we went, there were just weapons. I mean, we went down to breakfast. We had the equivalent of M16 automatic weapons with the guards that were there for us every morning for breakfast. Our bus driver had a 9mm Glock um, everywhere we went. And when we asked him what that was for, he sort of looked at us if we were dumb and said, that's to protect you. You know, everywhere we went, there was armoured personnel carriers. There was, when we were on um, Golan Heights and things like that, there were fighter jets flying over every 15 to 20 minutes in pairs because they were on the boundaries and things like that. They, they were ready for war. And when we think about it in context in Australia, um, it, when, we, when we, well, I was in Eight Mile Plains, just coming up a road there one day, and there was these two black, totally blacked out four-wheel drives that looked pretty flash, and they pulled up, and these cops jumped out, and they had full body armour on, they had automatic weapons, they had masks on, they had helmets on. You don't see that every day, hey? And when we see that in Australia, we're like, you know what, something's going on. There's something happening here that isn't normal. There's, there's, there's some event that is occurring and we sit up and we take notice and we realise that this is an unusual event. And I think that's where the issue lies for us as Christians. Because there's not something blatantly obvious there, we don't realise that there is a clear and present threat. There's a clear and present danger. And that's what this passage is telling us tonight. If we wish to remain strong and true to our commitment to our Lord and Saviour, if we still wish to be standing at the end when our time comes, if we long to honour God with our lives, 
And we need to appreciate we're in the midst of a war. There's an ongoing conflict. It's not a physical war or conflict. It's a spiritual one. Just keep Ephesians 6 open before you as we go through this. In verse 10 here, he tells us to be strong in the Lord. And when we talk about strength, there are people who are emotionally strong. They can handle all sorts of pressure, particularly in their workplaces and things like that, long hours, demanding deadlines, um, harsh environments. And even within families, there are people who appear to be much more emotionally stronger than others. And they're the ones that everyone leans on. They're the ones that people depend on. They're the ones that people go to when they have issues and problems. But we're not talking about that sort of strength. And they're those who are physically strong. And I'm not sure about uh, Pastor Darrell's physical routine at the moment, but I'm sure if we checked with him, he'd be benching 180 kilos at the moment, possibly doing three reps of 10 one-handed or something like that. You know, but we're not talking about that type of strength either. You don't think he could bench 180? Oh, okay. I don't think he could either. <laughs> but what we're talking about when we talk about this strength is the strength that you and I need in the Lord. It's a strength that we can't muster ourselves. It's a strength given to us by the Spirit. And it's a strength that's measured by our faithfulness. It's measured by our trust. It's measured by our perseverance in the faith that we say that we have in Jesus. So here, when we're called to be strong, we need to realize it's not something we can do ourselves. We don't have the ability to stand strong in this case. But this is the continual empowering that comes as a result of staying in a right relationship with God. So if you take the strong as a command, then it's a command to obedience. It's a command to continually be submitting to God and his will. And if we're honest, if we're true, we can testify we never really attain a level where we can say, I've made it. We can never really attain a level where we can say, I can actually take things easy now because I know God and I know everything that there is to know and I'm fine. So throughout our lives, we need to continually be calling upon God, asking to be renewed and refreshed and drawn closer to him, to be humbled afresh and to draw that strength and power that's provided in and through Jesus Christ. And when we think back to Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. Paul was praying that the Ephesians would know the greatness of God's power. And then in Ephesians 6 that we've just seen, he has turned that from knowledge to use. He's saying, now that you know what the power of God is, now that you have this power of God, use it. And use it to oppose those powers that will work against you. And use that power to stand firm. Is this power which allows us to put on the full armour of God. If we're called to engage in spiritual battle, and this spiritual battle, Scripture tells us, is continuously going on, when do you think you should put on the full armour of God? And I know I've said this before. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armour of God. And Paul is drawing attention to what he commanded way back in Ephesians 4.24. And he says to put on the new self. 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So when we put on the full armor of God, it's at that point of conversion. That's when we need to do it. And it's in line with us being this new creation. It's part of being set apart for God and his purposes. It's part of being made holy. And part of being made holy is to put on this full armor of God. And I love the Men in Black movies. Perhaps I shouldn't. But, you know, the line is, let's put on the last suit you'll ever wear. And the reality is, this armor is the last thing we should ever wear on earth. We put it on in our conversion. We don't take it off at all. We will stand in God's presence and glory, having worn that suit our entire life. And so in reality, when we come to Christ, we're called to a new life in him, which is truly reflected when we're wearing this full armor of God. Think about some of this armor, truth, righteousness, salvation and faith. Each of these are characteristics of God. And we're called to be more and more Christ-like in Ephesians 5.1. And we're called to be imitators of God. Think about that imitating again, you know, when it comes to a father-son figure and the father walking along the beach and the son walking behind him in his footsteps. That's what we're called to do. We're called to imitate God in that way, to be exactly like him. Of course, we never attain that, but that's what we're called to. And it's taking on those characteristics at the time of our conversion that will allow us to be strong. And we need strength which is greater than I can muster because the fight is not a physical fight. It's a spiritual fight. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And the ESV says that we do not wrestle. The NIV says, we'll, says that will be struggle. And both say enough, really. But it's really, wrestling to, it's really referring to wrestling in this context. But in general terms, it's speaking of that struggle, that fight, that battle that we're in. And we're in this fight. It's not a human foe that we face. It's the powers and authorities of this present darkness. And of course, it's not speaking about any political power. It's not talking about any tyrannical ruler that there is or any human authority that is over us. It's speaking about the spiritual realm. And you know, if, if we understand the spiritual realm a bit more, if we understand the battle that is continuously going on, perhaps it would help us to pray for the salvation of those who are lost, those who are instrumental in bringing evil to others. Because Scripture says our battle and our struggle is not against them, it's against the powers that are behind them that are operating them, calling them, tempting them to do those evil things. The evil forces control them and prompt them to do the atrocious acts that they do. And so we're called to take up the whole armour of God, that we may be able to stand in the evil day and having done in all we can to stand firm. And our call is to stand in the evil day. Some people say that this is a reference to a time that is coming when there's going to be this incredible outbreak of evil on the earth and that's just going to be just before Christ returns. And that may be partly true. But this passage is referring to our life in the present. This is referring to, this is calling us, sorry, to withstand the evil that we encounter at the moment. How will we stand by having done all? 
bit weird, isn't it? We'll be able to withstand all evil that we encounter by having done all. Again, we need to think about what is being talked about, how this comment relates. We've done all when we've put on the armour of God, when we've trusted him fully. And the incredible thing is, God knows us. So the armour he gives us, you know, we don't have to worry, it's his armour. I think it's important for us to understand that we have a God who knows us intimately. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it. And that is where God is so different to anyone else who can provide armour for us or protect us. Think of King David back in the Old Testament. And uh, before he was a king, you know, he's a shepherd. He was good at fighting off things that were coming to take the sheep and stuff like that. He was tending those sheep and his brothers were off at the front line. And um, there was this huge guy there who was blaspheming against God and the Israelites. And all of them, the entire army of Israel, were cowering because of this one guy, this guy called Goliath. They greatly feared him. And David goes down to take lunch to the boys and uh, he sees this guy and he says, this guy's blaspheming against God. I'm going to stand against him. Why should this bar- barbaric man do this? And he says that God will have the victory and God does use him as an instrument of his judgment against Goliath. And David's got this incredible faith that the others in the camp don't actually have. And he goes to see Saul, and when Saul can't convince David to not go out against Goliath or anything like that, he bravely gives him his suit of armour. Don't ask me what Saul was thinking. And so in 1 Samuel 17.39, we see that David straps on uh, Saul's armour and his sword and everything like that, and he tries to move, but the armour that he has hinders him. It's not beneficial to him, and he says, I, I can't actually fight like this. I need to take this off, and I need to do it the way that I believe God would have me to do it. And he heads out with a slingshot, and we know the rest. The armour that God provides for us is not armour that hinders. It's something that God tailors for each one of us according to the faith that we have. So what's the passage we're looking at tonight say about our armour? The way that the armour is described, the readers will know that it's referring to the heavily armed Roman foot soldier. And what we know about the Roman army is that they're an incredibly powerful force. They were highly disciplined, incredibly well organised. They fought in formation as a group and this made them much stronger. And those who opposed them were usually defeated when they didn't fight in formation like them. And when one soldier was taken out of that formation and stood on his own, they were not that successful. They, they didn't do very well. In fact, that's how they were defeated. They were found amongst trees. They were pushed back in amongst trees and they got separated and things like that. That's how they were ultimately defeated. But the discipline and training that they had received meant that if the formation they had was broken and some of the soldiers were separated, they'd fill in and close that gap. They'd regroup and they would form that formation again and they would stand strong once more. And I don't believe that the mention of the Roman soldier here is so that we focus primarily on their armour. They would have thought about how the Romans fought when they heard this. They wouldn't have just thought about the armour that they had. They stood together. What are we called to do as a church? We're called to stand together. We're called to support each other. We're called to encourage and strengthen each other in the faith. And so I believe that Paul is calling to attention again what he talked about in Ephesians 4, 1-6, where he calls us to maintain our unity. 
our unity of the Spirit, and emphasizes again that we are one body. We've all been called to one body. And how easy is it to maintain unity? It takes hard work. It takes discipline. And it's something that we have to be determined to do. So when we look at the armour of God tonight, let's look at it with discipline and unity in mind. So the belt of truth. This is a call to not only hold fast to the truth that is revealed in the gospel, but to live out and speak that truth. It's a call to not only be strengthened by God's truth, but to be resolved to live a life of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. This is a call to live morally right lives, regardless of what we face. It's a call to reflect the very nature of God in all our actions, in everything that we do. You might keep, need to pay, need, keep the passage in front of you so you understand some of these. Feet with readiness. When this is generally spoken about, it's declared as a willingness to proclaim and share the gospel with others, and that is correct, but it's also, it also goes beyond that. It's the readiness about being alert, and this is an all-of-life thing. We ought to be careful with our speech and actions. We ought to live wisely. We're redeeming the time and understanding God's will. So it's not only about sharing the gospel, it's about being agents of peace and love, ready to do God's will, ready to control the things which would reflect something that is actually not of God. And I've got to tell you, I'm greatly encouraged by a number of young people. They've been saying it to me as a joke, but you know, I said about that crazy guy who said, I reject that thought in Jesus' name. These guys are doing it. And it's just been so encouraging to hear them say to me, you know, at work this week, I, did, I was about to have this bad thought. I said, I reject that thought. And, and that's encouraging that they're taking these thoughts captive. Yeah, and some of you have been joking about it. That's all right, too. I don't mind that. It's, it's keeping this first and foremost in our mind and deciding that we want to live closer to Christ, whatever it takes. Our shield of faith. When we think of this shield, it's referring to that Roman shield. And, you know, the Roman shields were quite large and they were curved. They used to lock together. And so they were near on impenetrable in defense. But, you know, they also used this as an offensive weapon. They used to link them together and they would move forward like a ram. They were able to push into the enemy. And so the shield of faith is to protect us when we're under attack. But it's also something that we can use offensively. What we need to realize, too... That the shield of faith isn't about the strength of my faith or my belief in what I can do in Christ. It's about my focus on God and his faithfulness, what he does for us. What protects us from the evil one is our relationship with God. The helmet of salvation. When we think of salvation, we need to think about the saving grace that God brought to us. So putting on the helmet of salvation is about God's work. We talk about justification, you know, I was saved. That first time when we make that first commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, we didn't have to do anything. We just had to acknowledge our need of a saviour. And all our sins, all the terrible things we did are forgiven. When we come to that point, we say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I realised what I've done was wrong. I was saved. And then we have our day-to-day life where each and every moment of each and every day, we recommit ourselves to Christ. We say, Lord, you and me together. I know I mess up, but I want to live this life for you. That's being set apart and being made holy for him. I am being saved each and every day. And then ultimately, there's that time when I'm going to pass from this world into the next. I will stand in God's presence. I will be glorified and I will be saved from death. I was saved. 
I am being saved. I will be saved. That's our salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. This is God's word. And the Spirit is the one who empowers the word. You know, when we read the word and it comes alive to us, it seems to jump off the page and it speaks to us. That's Holy Spirit making that word alive to us. And it's not only talking about proclaiming the gospel, but it's talking about the protected and empowered life that we live as Christians when we get a firm grasp on God's word. And so we need to be reading God's word daily. We need to be consuming it. We need to be digging deeper than just, you know, reading a chapter and saying, done my chapter for the day. We need to be seeking God and what he would have us do and hearing from him through his word. We need to immerse ourselves in it. Reading it daily, seeking what God says to us. And there's one more thing. It's our secret weapon. I think it's a secret weapon because we seem to miss it so much. We're told to pray. We're told to pray at all times in the Spirit. It's about praying for all things and having that communication open with God continuously. It's praying in the Spirit and it's not speaking about praying in tongues or anything like that. It's about um, being strengthened through his spirit in my innermost being, as it says in 3.16. 5.18 says it's about being filled with the spirit, which is the ongoing work of sanctification in my life. It's about Holy Spirit and his communication to God, uh, sorry, of God to us. And it's Holy Spirit who gives all gifts and empowering and instruction from God. And this prayer is prayer and perseverance to stay alert. And perseverance is about continuing in prayer when we don't actually get the answers that we want, the answers that we're expecting, the answers that we hoped for. It's about acknowledging in the midst of that, God knows better than us. And we have to acknowledge that his way is the right way. And even though we don't get the answers we want down the track, I can testify so many times when I thought God was wrong and something happened. And then years down the track, I could look back and go, okay, God, I'm sorry. That was divine. That was incredible. I never would have picked it. I so needed that. And we need to trust that that's the way that God works. We're called to pray for all the saints. How frequently do we do that? How frequently do we pray for each other in this congregation? How frequently do we pray for our church leaders? How frequently do we pray for our Christian political leaders who have a particularly difficult and hard time? How frequently do we pray for those who are persecuted overseas because of their faith? and are martyred? How frequently do we gather as a people of God to pray? We need to be doing this as God's word, not my word. He says we must do it. If we do it, we're not only going to create greater unity in our church, it's going to bring greater opportunity for us as a people of God. It's going to empower us to proclaim the gospel in a much better way. It's going to bring to mind things and ways that God wants to do his work through us, which we wouldn't get otherwise. 
It's going to empower and equip us with all these incredible ideas. And as we continue to pray together and we speak about the answered prayer that we've seen God do, it's going to spur us on to greater faith. It's why we pray. It's why we gather to pray. Paul calls us to pray for the saints. He started this letter off praying for the Ephesians. And he finishes by asking for prayer. He's imprisoned. If I was imprisoned, I'd be like, guys, pray God gets me out of here. It smells. I don't get three square meals a day. I haven't had a filet mignon forever. Paul doesn't ask for that. Paul asks for the ability and willingness to boldly proclaim the gospel that he's been given to speak. He doesn't care if he's imprisoned. He doesn't care if he's released. He wants to be faithful to his Lord and Saviour. He wants to proclaim that word. In conclusion, I hope out of this tonight that you appreciate we are in a spiritual battle. It's going on. It's constant. And so many of us are unaware because we're not part of the battle. We're sitting on the sidelines. We think that's for someone else to do. You know what? You're going to live a comfortable life. Satan is not going to do anything because he's got you exactly where he wants you. If you're not standing on the promises of God's word and advancing... He doesn't care. He's going to leave you where you are. And if that's you, I can't say if it is or not, but if that's you, I want you to think about that day when you stand in God's presence. Think of the story of the manager who gave talents to his servants and then he went away and he came back and he held them to account and said, what have you done with this talent? That's what God's going to do. He's going to say, I poured into you. I invested in you. I gave you so much. You had this new life in Christ. What did you do with it? Everything you needed was at your fingertips. What did you do? And I don't want to be that person who says, you know what, God? I buried it. I didn't want to do it for you. I want to be that person who says, Lord, it was hard, but I gave it all for you. When it comes to our funds, are we going to say, well, you know what, Lord? I did what I wanted with those things. Or are we going to be able to say, Lord, I'm so glad that I gave that money to ride for refugees because that made a difference for so many people. I'm glad that I gave that money for the bush dance because that made a difference to the people in Australia. I'm glad that I gave that money weekly to the church because I know the church wants to reach other organisations in the world and I know that the church has this desire to disciple and raise people up so they can be proclaiming the gospel to others in the world. I want to be that person who says, Lord, I was wise with the money that I had that you blessed me with and I wanted to use it for your glory and your kingdom. Our call is to be strong and to fight the good fight. And the only way we can do that is to change our perspective on everything, to put on the full armour of God. And this call is a call for every Christian. It's a call to put on faith, righteousness and salvation. 
We need to see the word of God as that which protects and empowers us. And guys, we need to pray. Last corporate prayer meeting, I sat in a room with four people. Doesn't sit well with me. We have 600 people come to this church on a Sunday. Four people gathered to pray. We have pre-service prayers. Eight o'clock, six o'clock. We had five gathered to pray tonight. Everyone's invited. I don't know how many gathered for the eight o'clock prayer meeting this week, but there was five last week. Are we serious about seeing God move in this place? Are we serious about seeing him do his work? Because if we are, we should be on our knees. We should be praying. We should be faithful. We should trust God. And rest in his provision for our victory in Christ. And the calls to each one of us as individuals Each of us has a decision to make. Are we going to faithfully follow God in this battle and be Christians of action? And I can't force you to do that. You must decide. You must move. Christians are constantly advancing. That's our call. You never stand still as a Christian. If you are, you're going backwards. It's a daily, moment-by-moment decision that you must make let's pray Father God thank you for your presence and love thank you for the book of Ephesians it's an incredible book Lord I thank you so much for it and I thank you Lord that we've seen that we have this new life in you and Lord I pray we will never take that for granted please forgive us when we have Lord we desperately need you I mean we can't pray without you We, we, we can't be united without you So, Lord, would you you just move by Holy Spirit through here now? Will you touch people's hearts and challenge them? Will you bring them to that place where they know they just need you so much? And will you humble each one of us, Lord? We so desperately need you. In Jesus' name, amen.